Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. On the evening that is the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Well, happy Easter, friends. I am so glad you've joined us, no matter how you found us. You found us online, someone shared a link, or if you're just a part of the OKC Community Church family, welcome and happy Resurrection Day. You know, we just read John 20. Could you imagine what it was like to be those disciples on the day that they heard about the empty tomb? Uh, And then later they would see the resurrected Jesus. I mean, resurrection changed everything about everything. I usually say Jesus changed everything about everything. And that's true, but only because of the resurrection does Jesus change everything. You know, I'm here in, um, you know, the Tower Theater, our, our, our new home on Sundays. We had just started getting used to being in here and getting comfortable before we started having church at home. But, you know, this place has a bit of a resurrection story of its own. You know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, this place was full of life. It was the place to be on the weekends. People would get dressed up to go out for the movies. All the cool cats would get up, come out and have a great time. Uh, but, you know, by the 1980s, this place started to, ha- you know, kind of go through a slow death. By the 1990s, this place was shut down. It was abandoned. You know, you know there were chains put on the doors. It was literally dead. And I remember when I first came up here about eight or nine years ago, it was still, it was still an empty, abandoned place. And I, I tried, you know, tried to be a little mischievous and get in here and get a sneak peek at this, what this room was like. Um, but, you know, I, there was a, some of us in those days, probably a lot of people, that were thinking, what if this place came back to life? You know, and I know some of us, and even in our church, were like, and what if there was a church that met in here? I mean, that would be crazy. And, you know, in those days, I just remembered 
when we were trying to plant our church, how really just any place that our church could gather, we were just wanting to find any place. Pretty much any place would work, with the exception of a few. Uh, for example, I had this one lady who, who kind of gave us a suggestion of a place that maybe our church could meet that was a little bit crazy. She said, you know what's a really great place for a new church plant to start meeting is in a funeral home. I remember looking at her like, are you serious? I was like, you serious, Clark? I, I couldn't believe what she was saying. She's like, oh, yeah, lots of church plants have started in, in, in funeral homes. They got a little sanctuary. It's a great setup. And I, and I remember thinking, I got a hunch why all these church plants are failing, because someone told them to start in a funeral home. I mean, I am all about the resurrection power of Jesus, but even that is a little bit crazy to me. I mean, could you imagine every Sunday morning, you know, the altar call moment, I'm like, you know, if you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And, and, you know, I'm like, and by the way, if you died today, you know, the embalming room is just down the hall, you know, right across from our pre-K room. You know, I mean, it's a little bit crazy. But here's, here's the thing. I, I know we live in a world where bringing things back to life is popular right now. You know, restoring buildings, you know, renewing neighborhoods, rehabbing old houses. It is officially a thing. It has been for a while now. And, and this building that we're in right here, the tower, and our building right next door, they are examples of that. And, and, and today, though, what I was just thinking about is that, you know, the resurrection, though, it, it's not something that anyone does. Resurrection is not an event. You know, bringing things back to life like we're talking about, that, that, that's not what this is about. Resurrection is a person. Resurrection is... is is, is victory. Resurrection is truly Jesus. He is the personification of resurrection. Yes, it happened. Yes, someone did it. But it's Jesus because he brings life and he just keeps bringing it. He keeps pumping life into our veins. And so the resurrection that I want you to come face to face with today is Jesus because he is all we need. He is more than enough. And when this world around us gives way, he will never fail us. So let me ask you, church, are you with me? <laughs> I mean, I know we're not in the same room together, but I need to know that we're together. You know what I mean? Like, so are you with me, church? It is Easter Sunday. Come on, let's do this, all right? You know, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a quote from A.W. Tozer that I think is a great way for us to get into this. It says, you know, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You know, I'm fascinated by this thought. What comes to mind when I think about God? What comes to mind when I think about Jesus is the most important thing about me? And I was thinking about, man, for people around the world, there's the, the thoughts about God vary. I mean, it's a wide range. Some people, God is distant, right? Some people, God is obsolete. He's out of date. Some people, God is just a strict God. For some people, God is a crutch, you know, which I love what, you know, Adventure Bear Grylls says about that. He's like, hey, that's okay, because what does a crutch do? Crutch helps people get well. It helps people stand. It helps people get back to being strong again, and I thought that's pretty good. But for other people, you know, God is nothing but despair. You know, all the bad things in their life are because of God. And for others, it's the exact opposite. You know, God is, is love. God is forgiver. God is a missionary seeking out his lost children. You know, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is truth. And so for some people, God 
is obviously the first thing that comes to mind is something positive. For other people, it's a negative experience. And if there's anything in this pandemic moment that I hope people around the world, maybe people in your life, would step back and ask is, what comes to mind when I think about God? You know, the story of God, if you start to explore it, there, there's something very consistent about God that we find. And, and, and we see something that sounds basically famously plain. And the statement is that we see throughout the story of God that God is good. The statement God is good is, you know, I mean, it's basically the Christian catchphrase, right? I mean, it's what we always say. But his nature, his very essence, what we understand about God is completely and entirely good. He can't be anything else but good. And so what you believe about God's goodness, it actually impacts every aspect of your life. It impacts how you pray. It impacts your demeanor, your attitude, your, your daily posture. It impacts your beliefs and your faith. It even impacts what you believe is possible. The fact that, that God is good, it may be the most dominant theme about his very nature. So let's, let's just think a little bit more about the story of God this morning. More specifically, the story of God and humanity. I don't know the whole story of God, but I know a little bit about the story of God and people. And the story that we know is often sort of portrayed as a four-part narrative. There's kind of four acts in the story. The first one is creation. The second one is the fall of mankind. And then, of course, you have the, the redemption. And then you have the restoration. Now, I want to give you a little bit more detail than just four words about the story of God. But let's keep in mind, though, as I talk about this, that the, the consistent, most dominant theme about the nature of God is that God is good. So let's think about creation. Let's think about the, the, the very beginning of uh, God's design. We see in the creation account that what God would create, and he would create, for example, he creates light, and it was good. He would create the sun, the moon, the stars, and it was good. He'd create land and water, and it was good. He creates, he creates plants and vegetation and, and the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals, and they are good. And he creates Adam and Eve, and together they are good. And the very beginning of creation, what we see is that what he creates is good. Everything is good. And then Act 2 begins, the second part of the story and we see the fall of mankind where Adam and Eve disobey the Lord and they disrupt the goodness. And then in Genesis 3, it says that now mankind knows good and evil. And for the first time, something other than good enters the story. Man was now both good and bad. You know, one of the important parts of the story is understanding the freedom we've been given, the freedom that even Adam and Eve were given. We are free to make choices, good and bad. And ultimately, those inflict all sorts of, um, they have all sorts of implications upon our life. And in many instances, all kinds of pain and abuse uh, come upon us because of this moment that occurred in Scripture where we gained the knowledge of good and evil. And God was not okay with this condition. He wasn't okay with anything less than good. And God's a bit of a perfectionist in that way, I guess. And I think it's a good way. And so he does something. He sends his son Jesus 
as the solution to this problem. And Jesus comes to redeem the world. And, and, and I hope, I'm just going to pause. I hope you're following me here. Now we are moving into part three of the story, right? Like this is the redemption of Jesus. And you ever wondered why the story of Jesus is called the good news, right? I mean, hey, everybody, I got some good news. Jesus is the answer to everything. Jesus is going to fix everything. And Jesus came to redeem everything we do and everything that we are. I mean, like everything. Even that thing that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you keep doing, he came to redeem that. Because he wants to make everything about you and me better. That's what Jesus wants to do. And it's for our good. And since we've not yet arrived at the end of the story, we're not yet to part four yet. We live in a world and a day where the pain sits right alongside the good. Meaning we can taste and see that God is good all around us, but right alongside we also have the pain and the hardship and the consequences of the evil that we do. And I believe the days we're in right now are a good example of that. Like what we're experiencing in these days where every day we encounter our daily dose of sobering news about the coronavirus but then on the same day, we have the, you know, the strongest TikTok and meme game that we've ever seen, and we're just loving it, right? There is good and bad going on in these weird days as we speak, because we are not yet free of tragedy. Life is not yet absent of illness or pandemics or bankruptcy or depression or heartache. But someday he will return. Jesus will return and everything will be restored to its original intent. He says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I've actually heard quite a bit about some tears these days. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's Revelation 21.4. And come on, I mean, that is some good stuff. The restoration, the fourth part of this narrative, it declares that more good is coming. In other words, look out, God is not done. He's coming back and he's bringing a big old bag of goodness with him. He is going to, going to remake, renew, and restore everything. So yes, God is good. A famously plain thought, but an infinite brilliant reality. God is good. You know, there's a common thought out there among some that God causes or allows evil to happen in order to show his mercy or maybe even his glory. In other words, does God allow bad things to happen such as illness, pandemics, or natural disasters so he can somehow show off his glory or mercy? For some reason, people actually think this, that, oh, God allowed that to happen. God's allowing that to happen. He's putting us through a trial. He's teaching us. And that just, that just seems off to me. I don't know if God actually does this kind of stuff because that would be something equivalent to me breaking my own son's arm in order to uh, show him comfort during his pain and in order for me to then show off my skills by resetting the bone in his arm, which is a terrible idea because, first of all, that's not very kind and it's not very good either. Uh, and, and, and it would 
probably fall apart because I don't know how to reset his arm. And so Grayson would end up in a cast. I would probably end up in jail. You'd probably be looking for a new church because you'd be like, hey, that dude broke his kid's arm. He's crazy. So it, it ends up at all the implications of it are bad. So it doesn't make any sense. So why would God act in that way? He doesn't act in that way because everything he does is good. Everything he doesn't do is good. We may not understand the ways of God, but we can understand this, that God is good and everything he does is good. Jesus gave us all we need to know about who's responsible for what's happening in this battle we're in. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. You see, the enemy at work in this world is the author of sin, pain, hatred, and death. While Jesus comes as the good shepherd, and he gives us life. He gives us life to the full. You know, every Easter, I am really struck by the life of Jesus. You know, we always say God is good. We emphasize God is good. And certainly the implication is, oh yeah, and so Jesus is good and the Holy Spirit is good because, you know, they're all God. But, but at, at Easter, Jesus comes front and center. And I just wanted to say today that Jesus is good. He lived a really, really good life. You know, he was born in the humblest of ways. From the instant he was born, the enemy wanted him gone. But even as an infant, Jesus was too great for the enemy to even touch. You know, years later, he would begin his ministry, and once again, the enemy would come after him. But Jesus was too great for him. And then he made the announcement, didn't he? The announcement, his claim to fame, his line in the sand, and his declaration of intent when he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And they were like, repent, repent of one. He says, repent of everything that you've ever done that is not good. Repent of the ways in which the enemy has overcome you. Repent and enter into my kingdom, my kingdom that is nothing but good. And then Jesus went on and lived a life in which he showed them the kingdom. He went and healed the sick. He cared for the poor. He befriended you know, outsiders and sinners and the overlooked. He taught the truth. He encouraged us to believe and do the impossible. He brought people, the best out of people like Peter, James, and John, and oh yeah, the rest of us as well. He rebuked sin, he rebuked evil, and he rebuked the demons. He called the unlikely. He gave sight to the blind. He prayed to his Father consistently, depending on his presence. He put up with hatred. He endured rejection. He sent his followers out as new creations. And he gave us the greatest teachings of all times. His teachings have never been exceeded. He willingly laid his life down. He was, not, he was not deserving of anything. He was innocent, but he took on our guilt and shame. He was pure, yet he took on the suffering that we deserved. And he overcame death. Once again, the enemy was no match for Jesus. And he looked at death and all of our sin, and he put it in its rightful place. He put it under his heel and under his authority. And Jesus was and is love and joy and peace 
and patient and kind and good and faithful. You know, we call the cross good only because Jesus hung on the cross. Because everything about Jesus, everything that he did and was and is, is good. Jesus is good. Every part of his story is good. We can't find anything that it is not good. So why would we choose anything other than Jesus? Why do we settle for things that aren't good? Why do we entertain ourselves with things that are not good, that are not pure? Why, why are we passionate about causes that in the end aren't all that good? Why are we so fixated on everyone else thinking that we are good? We want everyone to think highly of us. What if we spent that energy pointing people to the one that actually is good? Well, perhaps I should say it this way on Easter. If there's anything that the resurrection shows us, <laughs> it's that God is good. So today, uh, maybe we should do something. Maybe we should just rest in this goodness. Can we rest in God's goodness? May, may we enjoy his good creation. May we rely on his good work. May we join his good purpose. We should embody his good nature. We could share his good news. We could be good servants and good neighbors. And I think for a lot of us, we need to trust in his good plans right now. And as I prayed over what, it, what to share this Easter, all I could think about was the goodness of God. Uh, and, and that God is good, and I hope that that is all your mind can think about. Because remember, the first thing that comes to mind when we think about God may be the most important thing about us. And if we can think, God is good, and we can remember that he created me as good and he redeemed me for my good and there is more good coming. Well, perhaps that could be the most important thing about all of us. Not only that we have a good God, but we are part of a good story that has a good ending. And so I am praying and hoping that you would experience the goodness of God today in a time in which some people are saying, this is not good. No, friends, there is something today that is good, and it is Jesus. Jesus is good. I wanna pray for you, so would you just bow your heads, and if you're comfortable, just put your hands out in front of you like you're gonna receive something today, like you're gonna receive from the Lord. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes with your hands in front of you? And I just wanna pray Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you come in such a way that no matter where, where we are, we would even feel your presence in this moment? Father, I just want to pray your goodness over everyone listening and watching right now. Would your goodness just come over that person, that family, that house, I pray goodness and health and God's love that you just, you just cover 
every person right now, Father. With your, with your heads bowed, I just want to, I just want to pray some scriptures over us, declaring His goodness. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the person who takes refuge in Him. Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. James 1.17, for every good thing, every good thing given and every perfect gift comes from above. In Psalm 23.6, surely his goodness and kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you for the good of the cross. We thank you for redeeming us. May our minds and hearts be consumed with how good you are. Amen. Well, friends, we can't say enough. Thank you for joining us today. If there's been anything said today that you would want to talk further about what it means to even have a relationship with God, we would love to talk with you. Uh, if you need prayer today, we would love to pray with you. But friends, more than anything, we just want you to know that you have a God who loves you. You are loved today, not only by your heavenly Father, by us as your church family as well. We love you. Grace and peace, my friends, and happy Easter. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, We'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.